Father, we thank you this morning that you have come to save us, that you have rescued us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So this Thursday, uh, many of you will spend hours preparing a meal that takes minutes to eat. Uh, Or if you have teenagers, seconds, seconds in the name of Thanksgiving to thank God. To thank God that we have made it through another year. Uh, Thanksgiving Day is a good thing. Thanksgiving Day, if we use it as a spiritual discipline, is exactly something that our soul needs. Just like those settlers who survived that first winter at the Plymouth Plantation in 1621, it is good for our soul when you have made it through to stop and to give thanks to God. Uh, On the subject of giving thanks to God, I heard a story several years ago from the uh, uh, Christian counselor, Larry Crabb. We were at a conference, and he said he was looking after his grandson one weekend, and uh, the grandson was about three years old, and he was upstairs playing in a bathroom, and he slammed a door, and it was an old house, so the lock engaged on the door, and he couldn't figure it out. So he locked himself into the bathroom and started screaming. So uh, Larry went upstairs and and tried to tell him, you know, just how to undo the latch. He was inside the room, but the the boy was three and he was just panicking. And the way he was screaming, he wasn't sure that he wasn't hurt. So he ran around behind the house to go in through the bathroom window and realized that is on the third story. But, you know, you can hear the boy screaming outside. So at at 60-some years old, Larry Crabb climbs the rose trellis to get to one roof, a steeply sloped roof. And it's, you know, have you ever been on your roof in the summertime? Hot! And so then he's climbing across to a rain spout. And then Grandpa climbs the rain spout to a little ledge to work out to the window. And then he goes to open the window and realizes this window has not been opened in decades. The house has been painted a couple of times. It's painted shut. So he pushes and he groans and he tries not to fall three stories. Finally, he breaks the paint seal, shoves the window open, climbs in on his stomach, reaches up, undoes the lock. The toddler immediately stops crying, says, thanks, Papa, and runs out. Larry rolls over on his back, drenched in sweat, panting, checking his pulse, And he said, in that moment, he thought, this is exactly what we do to God. We cry out in terror. He mounts a miraculous rescue. And when we've been rescued, with barely a thanks, we run off to the next adventure, sure to end in disaster. But stopping and giving thanks to God for the rescues he's given us um, is good. It's good for us to inject thanksgiving into our life. So Thanksgiving Day is a day that Christians ought to embrace and practice as a spiritual practice because it's a spiritual practice that we need. Thanksgiving can bring us a lot of health to our soul. So giving thanks to God and showing gratitude, that is a skill. That is a spiritual skill that can be practiced and mastered for those who want to um, master the spiritual life. We can practice it together a little right now. It starts with remembering starts with remembering when you were in junior high. Is there any more horrible time of life than junior high? The answer is no. And remember how when you were in junior high, you thought that's all there was ever going to be? This. And then God brought you through. Can we all thank God right now that we are not in junior high? 
For those of you who are in middle school, just like a year and a half left. Remember when you were first trying to, to find a college or find a first career? Just get, your, just get started. Get accepted. Get hired. And all the uncertainty of that. Would your life start or would you wind up living in a van down by the river? And then God made a way. But can we all thank God right now we're not in that uncertainty of the first stepping out of our home and starting life. Remember when you got fired? Remember when you got demoted? And, and, and all of the uh, uncertainty of that, what happens now? Remember how God brought you through? Can we all thank God right now that we're not in that season of uncertainty anymore, that something else came along? Do you remember the breakup? Do you remember the divorce? How you didn't know what life would look like going forward from that. And then God came. Can we all thank God that we're not still in that painful season following that event? Remember when you lost a loved one and all of time froze? God was there, remember, hour by hour and day by day, he just started the clock moving again. Can we all thank God we're not still in that frozen place? Remember when you were scared about having kids, bringing kids in the world? Am I really qualified to do this? This is about to happen. How did this happen for some of us? Um... How frightening that all was. But God showed you just enough. It felt like just a little bit less than I needed, but just enough. Can we all thank God that we're not in that frightening season of wondering, of being first-time parents? Remember when you were injured? Remember when you were sick? It's like it was never going to get better. It's just always going to be like this. And then you were healed at some point. Can we all thank God right now for our healing? Now, some of you are in those valleys I'm describing, various ones. So it's not really fair to reflect on the valley that you're in. You need one of those past valleys. I mean, when I wrote this, and when I practiced it this week, and when I said it just now, anything there that had to do with parenting, my gut just went, and just, that's a great sound. It just twisted up, right? Because I'm in that right now. I'm not really like sure. I don't have that God brought me through feeling about parenting. I'm not sure this is going to turn out well still. It's pretty scary. I've given up on the question, am I a good dad or a bad dad? I've just gone on to how bad of a dad am I exactly? How, how messed up can I make this? That's what it's like when you're in it. That's what it's like when you're in it. When you are in one of these low points, you cannot imagine there will ever be anything else except this low point going on and on. Now, sure, God's brought me through other times, but maybe he's tired of me. And this one, he's just going to leave me stuck in. 
as an aside for parents, since I, since I am one, this, and there's lots of parents in the church, I'll just indulge this one a little extra. Um, statistically, this may not apply to everyone, but statistically, when you ask married couples, how satisfied are you with your marriage? How happy are you in it? How intimate do you feel with your spouse? Statistically, if people answer that question, it goes down sharply as soon as children enter the marriage. Likely a lot of reasons for that. We won't speculate, but statistically, that's what happens. As soon as kids come in, married couples start answering that question. like, yeah, And it gets worse the older the kids get. Parents of teens statistically are at the lowest point of marital satisfaction. Now hang in there because the statistics also say that after the children launch out on their own, it begins an immediate upturn. <laughs> it's true. You're laughing. It begins an upturn statistically that can even exceed where it was before kids appeared. I I think that's maybe because children taught you how selfish you were for 20 years and, and now you're over that. So my wife and I quote this statistic to each other a lot these days. A lot these days when you're trying to have a conversation and somebody's yelling at you and, and I'm just sometimes we seriously say, seriously, I'll just talk to you in like three years. So <laughs> This is one of the reasons we need Thanksgiving. We need Thanksgiving as a practice skill. It's good for us because having a valley and then giving thanks when God has, has, has freed us rather than running off like a, a kid, thanks Papa, and we're off to the next thing, slowly begins to reprogram our mind and soul and this pattern of thinking that when we're in a valley, this is all there's ever going to be. Because after nine valleys and after nine thanksgivings, we begin to be able to say when we come to the next valley, you know, I've been in here before. And God does show up. We need to know that God is at work and that we are not just the victim of bad luck. Yet life can throw us some pretty tragic curveballs. Some years, we get three gutter balls rolled our way all at once, and that doesn't seem fair at all. So just having Thanksgiving once a year really isn't enough for the frequency with which life can throw us a curveball. We're going to need a spiritual practice that can be practiced more frequently. And the one I'm going to recommend this morning is praying the Psalms. Psalms is a book in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's in roughly the middle of the Bible. If you just open your Bible in the middle, it'll probably fall open somewhere in the Psalms. It is a book of prayers, 150 ancient prayers. Psalms is what taught Hebrews how to pray. Jesus learned to pray from the Psalms. Many times when Jesus prays, those words he's quoting are actually from a Psalm. The Psalms has taught the church to pray for 2,000 years. So I'm going to recommend a couple of ways that you can bring the Psalms, the Bible's prayer book, into your life. Uh, One of them I use and one of them I don't uh, because of my personality. We'll start with the one I don't use but may work great for you, and that is journaling. So uh, pick a time of day that you enjoy. Maybe you enjoy the morning or the evening or the lunch hour, a time when you, you generally feel pretty good. Pick that time. Pick a place that you enjoy. Maybe it's outdoors. Maybe it's sitting in front of a particular window. Um, Maybe you actually like the feeling of being in the car with your coffee before you go into work. Just that place that you like. And in that time that you enjoy, in that place that you enjoy, read a psalm each day. And then after you've read the psalm, uh, write about, take your journal out and write half a page to God. 
about a word or a phrase in that psalm that jumped out to you. Just thought, oh, that's an interesting phrase because it's all poetry. Oh, that's an interesting word. And then write half a page. God, I think this word is jumping out to me today because. And then when you've written half, your half a page, just have a little minute, minute of silence and then continue with your day. That's one way you can bring the prayer of the psalms into your life. Here's another way. This is the one I actually uh, do myself is I like to walk when I pray. And since I live in Missouri, there's like six whole weeks out of the year that I can actually walk outside comfortably. So the rest of the time, I pray the Psalms back in the prayer circle. I come and I, uh, to do this, all right, so you get um, a Bible that prints the Psalms as poetry, meaning in stanzas with indentations. Most modern Bibles are doing that now. And so then I'll be in the prayer circle and I'll read one stanza. Or if it's a long Psalm, I'll read up to four stanzas. And then when I've done that, I take a walk around the sanctuary. Or if it's during May or October, then I, in my neighborhood, I just walk from street corner to street corner. And some of the times I'm praying my own prayer in the theme of what I just read. And sometimes, equally often, I'm just in silence to see if God would like to lay anything on my heart. And when I get back to the prayer circle or the next street corner, I read another stanza or two or three or four. And then walk until the psalm's finished takes about 20 minutes. Bringing the Psalms into our life, one Psalm a day. Now, if you pray one Psalm a day, then a couple of times a year, you're going to come to Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is a prayer of thanksgiving, and it starts this way, very dark. Verse 4, it says, the ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. Do you feel the feel that this morning or have you felt that it's better if you felt that in the last couple of years maybe like a trap was trying to drag you down so after reading that why don't we just give a a moment of silence to sit in the presence of God and, and talk with him about that feeling of this trap that came to get you or if you don't have anything to say just be in silence to see if the Lord would like to enter in and just give you a word or a thought or a feeling to go with that Let's take just a moment to be with God about the traps over the last few years that have come for us. Verse 9. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet, mounted on a mighty angelic being. He flew, soaring on the wings of the wind, He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dark rain clouds. Right? God is using all this power to hide himself as he sneaks up on our enemy, sneaks up to rescue us. Remember when God saved you. Remember how things were last year, a couple of years ago? You were so scared. And now, some of that stuff you haven't thought about in months. It used to be the main thing on your prayer list. And you haven't thought about it and had to think about it in months because God came for you. Maybe we never gave thanks to that for that now. But spend a moment in silence with God and think about, remember that time. Verse 16, he reached down from heaven and rescued me. 
He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. Remember how God answered your prayer. In a way that you never could have imagined, in a way you never could have thought up or made happen yourself. Maybe that's the way you first came to God, from a rescue that he made for you that seemed impossible. Whatever it was, remember now his rescue. And give him thanks. Verse 28. You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush any army. With my God, I can scale any wall. Remember how you used to be? Remember how you used to think? How you used to act? How little it used to take to upset you? Remember how little it used to take to frighten you, to worry you, to defeat you? And he has made you so much more than that now. Remember that this Thanksgiving. How even that heat and that pressure and that adversity has changed you. How God has used it to make you more than you were. And that's the end of Psalm 18. Praying a psalm every day brings scripture in front of you, brings prayers in front of us that we might forget to pray otherwise, including prayers like Psalm 18. Give us pause to remember that a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, we were in a deep valley. God brought us through, and we almost forgot to turn around and thank him for that great miracle. We almost forgot to acknowledge the powerful presence of God in our life. We need to acknowledge it as often as we see it. To remember that it's there because the next valley is just ahead or at hand. I found this uh, reflection on Psalm 18. I thought I'd share it with you. This is from the writer Felix Gunn. Says, I was drowning in a park full of people. I wasn't overlooked. They were all watching, watching me drown. Worse yet, I wasn't just drowning, I was being drowned. And no one was helping me, not even the lifeguard. My mother had never taught me how to swim, even though I was pushing eight years old. My stepfather knew this, which is why he had pushed me into the swimming pool. It was the company picnic and all the kids had been invited to pick up trash for a cash prize. I didn't win many contests in those days, but I was going to win this one. And I did. Ten dollars for the most trash collected. Three bags full. Beaming, I ran to find my mom. I wanted so badly to tell someone I had won. But it was my stepdad who found me first. He'd have to do. I won first prize, I blurted. Ten dollars. His eyes were glassy and unfocused. There was alcohol at the company picnic, and he'd been drinking all day. Give it to me, he slurred. I need cigarettes. No, I said with righteous indignation. I won first prize. You can buy your own cigarettes. That's when he shoved me into the pool. I panicked at first, shoes filling with water, dragging me to the bottom. I flailed wildly, but managed to get to the surface. Help me, I screamed. Give me the money, he repeated. 
But at eight years old, living with this angry drunk for two years, my moral instinct had somehow outgrown my survival instinct. No way, I coughed through the chlorine. With a leering grin, he reached out his bare foot, placed it on my face, and shoved me back under the water. That's when the lifeguard started to blow her whistle. I groped for the side of the pool before my wet clothes could drag me down again. I found the edge and pulled myself up. At the edge of the pool, I saw my stepfather kneeling down with an outstretched hand. Was it an offer to save me or a request for the $10? It was the latter. When I failed to produce the bill, he took both of my hands and threw me back to the center of the pool. The crowd began to shout at him, Hey, stop it. Leave the kid alone. But no one intervened. I was most aware of that. The dozens of people were watching, but no one intervened. The lifeguard was only a teenage girl at a company picnic. What should she do against a full-grown man? They were afraid, as I was afraid. I gulped in water, felt my lungs burning, and realized this $10 was not worth missing the rest of second grade and my life. I held the money above the water. He plucked it from my hand, took me by the wrist, and hauled me out of the pool. Setting me on my feet, he walked away with a croaking laugh. When I read Psalm 18, I see a mighty God who hears the cries of his people and acts. He doesn't just blow a whistle or sit in his pool chair and say, Hey you, stop it. He comes on dark clouds, riding on a fantastic creature. It was his hand that truly hauled me out of that pool I was drowning in. He is the one who protected and saved me from my enemy. Though no one else responded to my cry for help, God lit a lamp for me in the darkness. And God gave me the strength to scale that wall and escape into a brighter adulthood. Today, every time I cash a paycheck, every time I kiss my wife, every time I take my kids swimming, my children learn to swim at an early age. I remember my God who brought me to this place, and I give him thanks. Let us give thanks always, this week and every day, for the valleys God has brought us through. Amen.